It's the Seth Williams Show with Mike Kosoka. And here's your host, Seth Williams and Mike Kosoka. Oh, man. Welcome to another Monday night. Yeah. Hey. <clears throat> sure as hell feels like a Monday. I don't know what the hell is going on. It's all oh. dark and dreary outside. Awful. Yeah. That's not I've been outside. I've seen it from the window. Um, but it looks yeah, but still, it's, it's one of those all four seasons in the same week weeks we're about to have. It's going to be 66 yeah. Wednesday. And then I think they're saying three to five inches of snow on that's what she said, on, on Friday. Yeah. I mean, that's no. crazy. It, it is. But then again, everybody you know who weather is the most important thing in their life has already moved. Yeah. I uh, I don't mind this kind of weather, but I, the, the three to five on, on Friday kind of sucks. Although, again, that's not like I'm driving anywhere, so what do I have to worry about? <laughs> but I worry about, like, my wife driving around. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. But. It's just when you get a taste of it, I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for summer. So, you know, you give a couple days in a row, and it's like, okay, this could be nice. And then it's gone. It's like, whoa, whoa, where'd you go? We got Paul Orlowski coming up in uh, just a little bit. Of course, we'll talk about his book, um, nice. Punched, Kicked, Spat On, Sometimes Thanked. Um, also talk about some of the news of the day. We'll get in a lot of stuff with Paul. Paul's a great guy. A lot of fun to talk to, so we'll talk to him. Yep. Uh, Peter Knapp, who we had on last week, young guy who trying to get to all 162 Guardians games, is actually uh, in Arizona at spring training. Was that a game today or whatever? Wow. Is it Chicago? Where, where is he at today? I don't even know where he's at. Uh, but he was somewhere. I think he's in Arizona. And he's going to call in and check in with us at some point tonight, either early on or later on. Well, we'll talk to him, find out what he's doing. <laughs> And how his goal is going to uh, raise some money to go to all these games. We'll talk to him. Did you have a nice weekend? Kind of. No, I, no. I didn't kind of. Uh, it was family time. It was, uh, we had a loss in the family, so it was awake. And a few I'm sorry. Days. Sorry to hear that. But uh, it's good to be back. And it's good to be right. It makes you appreciate what you got like friends in this show and people watching and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm glad to be in front of a microphone and not, you know. James is finally watching on my TV. You can't watch this on the TV. If you have a fire Amazon fire TV or fire stick, wow. you can watch uh, on there, the CMS network. You can also watch on YouTube, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, you can watch on the TV. We are on the CMS TV network um, as well. Also, if you don't want to watch the show, and I don't blame you if you have to stare at us. Um, there is that new feature on the website, the SethWilliamsShow.com. Um, there's a listen button on the website now. So you can listen in your car. It works while your screen is locked. So you can actually listen in your car, on your phone. Uh, the SethWilliamsShow.com, there's a listen button there. So check that out and do that. Um, James says, oh, uh, yeah. Sorry for your loss, Mike. Thanks, James. Hanging our mics are here for your loss. I'm Scott checking in. Um, my wife and I actually tried to go out on Saturday night for a date night. Nice. It didn't go all that well. Um, we went to, you know, Wild Eagle Saloon. 
Yes, I do. Strong. No, Broadview Heights. Uh, Broadview Heights on 83 there, yes. Yeah, you and I, 82. You and I okay. tried to, to be there one time, right. and it was closed. But we went there. There was supposed to be a country band playing that my wife wanted to see. And I was like, all right. They started 9 o'clock. So we got there at quarter to 7. Right? That's a little early to see the band because they're, right. they're not going on until 9. But we were going to maybe grab an appetizer and sit there. She was going to have a a beer, and we're just going to hang out and wait to watch the band. Okay. We walk in. It was a two to two and a half hour wait to get a table. That's insane. Yeah, it is. And and not that I didn't want to sit around, but I mean, that's a long time to to be waiting for a table. Two to two and a half hours. Yeah. And then... Go ahead. Where the band plays... I don't think they were really serving any food in there. And there was nowhere to stand to watch the band. And the thing is, is that people getting there to watch the band are literally, they're grabbing a table and then they're staying there the entire time. Like, kind of like we were going to do. Right. So, who knows how long we would have waited. But we instead decided, okay, there's only two of us. So maybe we'll wait in the car for a little bit and um, maybe they'll call us over early. Right. And Because there's only two of us. Not a big party. And we waited 8 o'clock, 8.15. We go back in. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be another hour, hour and a half. <laughs> it's like, all right, forget about it. Yeah, that's pretty piss poor customer service. It is what it is. There are a lot of you sell out. You're sold out. Don't lie to people. And then, so we decided to go down the street to the boneyard. And that was fine. Sat there for a little bit. And then and went back to the Wild Eagle to try to get a place to watch. There was not a parking space available. People were just circling the parking lot looking for a parking space. Even like the little auto shop next door, the parking space were all taken. There's parking spaces. Not one was open. Certainly not a handicapped spot, so I would have had to walk a country mile, but I didn't care. I could walk under the leg. And, um, but, yeah, there was nothing. So we ended up going home and sitting on the couch at 9 o'clock at night. It's pretty usual. And, uh, you know, it was not much of a date night. It was still fun. I mean, I enjoy spending we just don't get enough alone time. Yeah. But so it was kind of a, a bummer. I really want to get out and do something, see a band, go out and have a nice night, but it just didn't seem to be in the cards a lot of the times. Well, if you're not doing anything Thursday, yes. Come see me in Strongsville at uh, the local. That's right. They're different, they've got good food there. And not only that, but when we say the show's going to start at 8 o'clock, you're not going to still be dicking around at 9.30, 10, waiting for me to come on because I don't like pacing around in my green room. Well, but, I'm looking forward to that. That should be a fun night. Yeah, so Thursday at the local in Strongsville. Yes. Yes. And how do people get tickets? you got to make a reservation for that, right? Well, there's no cover charge. The band, you know, all the club makes its money off, uh, you know, food and drink. So it's there's no cover charge, but you have to make a reservation, and you can do that uh, through or on Eventbrite, and that's all I can tell you about that is you got to go to Eventbrite and say you're coming, and that will reserve you a table, and they do a really nice job of putting together groups, and you know if you got two, six, ten, how many of you are are coming out, and it's a good lineup. It's do you know a good how? Lineup. Uh, good show. Do you know how many comics are going to be there? I think you will see six comics. 
I think four of them are only going to do like five minutes, uh, and they're all different. And then oh, they're funny. Uh, do you know any of the guys? Any guys I roles? Do. Yes, I do. Uh, Nancy Abram um, is funny. It's her show. She hosts, or she's on the bill. She hosts. Um, Dave uh, Tregong is um, featuring. He's fantastic. He headlines at other clubs. So you're going to see some up and comers and uh, and a couple of us have been doing it for a while. It's a great show. James well, Wednesday nights, or I'm sorry, Thursday night, March 2nd. Come see us. James said heading up there later tonight as well, and we'll see you Thursday. So that's cool. Cool. James, uh, one, one of Paul Orlowski's book the last time Paul was on. Uh, oh, wow. That was a long time ago. That was back yeah. in the uh, old studio days. Yep. So I feel I'm happier tonight because I'm assuming Paul will not have flies flying around his head. No. <laughs> No, yeah, and we don't have thing. to sit here and smell the wonderful barbecue from that, Smoke and Rock and Roll. That I didn't mind so much. Smoke and Rock and Roll, fantastic. The barbecue is great, but there's, yeah. you know, yeah, the fly action van Hansen. I miss Billy though. I miss seeing Billy, Billy Morris. Yeah, he's been busy. I've, you know, I texted him a few times and cr- congratulated him on uh, his shows in Australia. Yeah, As a matter of fact, last month they sent him a thumbs up and a because he played the local. Most of uh, the month, the locals uh, features bands, but one night a month they do comedy, and it's my turn there. So he big times. I've been on the same stage a month apart. Yeah, he big times me now. He doesn't answer phone calls and stuff. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I, I guess yeah. maybe he's just super busy, or he's you know, you know, too much of a superstar rock guy to you know, talk to little old Seth. Well, he's pretty down to earth, but I got to tell you, he was busy before all this other stuff. Oh, I know. Happening. And before the even the swim stuff opened up, he was busy. So, you know, pick up the phone. How about that? Yeah. Probably not listening anyways. Uh, Mike, sorry for your loss. Keep in my prayers. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. And they also says, please make the snow go away. See yeah, on I, Friday. I would like to do that too. I am dying to play some golf. I don't even care if they go straight. I just want to hit something really hard. Um, should not have left the parking space with that many people waiting for tables. Sorry, you had to miss your concert. It wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, but I, we just don't go out very much. You know, with having a sixteen-year-old and stuff, it's a lot of time <clears throat> that we're you know all together as a family, which I love. Don't get me wrong; I absolutely love that. I love the family time. But I would like some, you know, balloon time, a little date night action every now and then. Went to the West Side Market over the weekend. Oh, you did? Yeah, I haven't been there in a while. And it was a gorgeous day on Sunday. And everybody and their mother seemed to be there, at least in the parking lot. And I've never seen so many crazy, rude people in my entire life. Like, we were sitting there with, like, the blinker on because we finally, after driving around for 20 minutes, we finally yeah. found somebody that's backing out. So we're sitting there waiting with the blinker on, and out of nowhere, this big broad. I mean, she was a she looked like she was whatever, but she just zoomed right into the spot right in front of us from another oh. angle. And then I saw that happen probably three or four different times to other people that were just waiting. And all of a sudden, somebody came up, went in, snuck right in, and, and took the spot. It's a madhouse down there, but it was fun. I mean, I liked it. I uh, saw Munch. Remember Munch? We had Munch on. Hell yeah, he was down there with his family. And I saw his one son in his 20s now. And I used to babysit the kid 
when he was wow. way little. And it, it was kind of weird seeing that guy. But Westside Market was nice. It was, it was have proud. you ever have you ever eaten in the Westside Market Cafe? I have not. I used the they bathroom there over the weekend. They have do good they? food there. Yes, they do. I was looking because I, I wanted to see what kind of stuff they had. Is it, is it stuff from the market or what kind of? I would assume that they it's all locally sourced and stuff like that. And they, you know, because God knows if it's like, oh, my God, we're out of onions. They, you know, it's like 10 minute you know, walk to go get one and come back. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that all the purveyors are from the market, but they've got a really nice menu and they do a really nice job and it's pretty reasonable. So I went to first, you have to go in obviously through like the fruit area. If you park right. in the back and so you're driving, walking down this fruit part and they had a, well, they all have all those stuff, but one lady was like, Hey, you want some grapes? I was like, all right. They were cotton candy grapes. And so I tried it. First time I had a cotton candy grape and it was yep. very tasty. They are. And so I said, yeah, I'll take a bag of those. No problem. And she goes, that'll be seventeen fifty. What? I said, excuse me? Yeah, seventeen fifty. I was like, it's a bag of grapes. You know, it wasn't like a super huge bag. It wasn't like a suitcase full of grapes. Right, no kidding. <laughs> it was just a bag of grapes. Seventeen fifty. And I looked at it, I said, I'll pass. Forget yeah. about it. What? It's grapes. But uh I got a good deal on strawberries. I got an entire case of strawberries for $10. That works. Four big, huge packages of strawberries for $10. Then I realized that how am I going to eat these strawberries as many as I got in the amount of time before they go bad? Yeah. That's why I don't don't shop. Yeah, that's why I have a hard time shopping at Costco and Sam's Club because... A bottle of ketchup you can dance with. It it take you eight years to use it up, and so what? It's a dollar off. It, yeah. it, you know everything's like that. You got to buy three or six or ten of. But I mean, know. I thought ten dollars for all these strawberries was a great idea until I talked to my dad later. I was like, "Yeah, Dad, I got this great deal on strawberries," and he's like, "Well, how are you going to eat all those real quick?" I said, "Well, what do you mean? We're not going to last that long before they start growing mold and stuff." I said, "Well, what's going to happen if I eat the mold?" You don't want to know. do that. You don't want to do that. And so I, I have a fridge full of moldy strawberries soon. I better start chowing down. No, Maybe you better get yourself a blender. I do have a, I do have a smoothie maker. Good. Then make yourself a bunch of smoothies and freeze some of that. And I've don't never used too, it. Yeah, oh, don't try. use just the strawberries. Put in some melons, some ice. All right. Couple uh, we have Peter Knapp actually on the line. So let's see if we can get a good connection with Peter here. Let's cool. see how spring training is going. Peter, are you there? Hey, guys. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but yeah, yes. I'm doing good. How are you Where guys? Where are you? Good. Where are you? I am in Mesa. I am in Mesa as the Guardians are taking on the Chicago Cubs. And the uh, Guardians are trouncing the Cubs right now by a score of 12-4 to 4 as we go to the top of the eighth inning here in Mesa. So, it's a it's an offensive explosion so far for uh, for the Guardians, as they lead the Cubs by a score of twelve to four so far Peter, in this ball game. Peter, think yes. about that for a minute. They hadn't won a game all preseason until you showed up. You're an element here. They hadn't hey, well, won a game this entire preseason, and I checked an hour ago they were losing four to three. So if all of a sudden you got there and they scored nine runs and there was an offensive yeah. explosion, 
They yes. better. You better not. You won't need donations. If the Guardians are smart, they're going to carve out a seat for you on the team plane and just come yeah. you everywhere they go. Absolutely. That's Actually, amazing. I, I have um, pretty soon, pretty soon I will have some really good news to announce on the sponsorship front, but at the moment, I don't know if I can announce it or not, so I'm not right. going to. But but I will say in the, in the near future, I will have a very positive announcement on that front. So well, that's all I'll say for now. We yes, that's all. Yes. Yeah, I will definitely I will definitely let you guys know. But yeah, I flew in this morning. Uh, oh. I, I had a direct flight. To, I had a direct flight to Phoenix. So uh, that was that was nice. I had a direct flight to Phoenix. But, you know, it's like a. It's almost a five-hour flight, so uh, it's been a it's been a long day, um, and I and I I landed 90 minutes before first pitch, and then uh, and and then headed out here to uh, headed out headed out here to Mesa, and then I'll, I'll be here all week. By the way, I'll be here through Friday. So um, I just I just posted a ton of pictures on my Facebook page. I'll be posting a bunch of other stuff over the next few days. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Uh, the Guardians are are taking care of business in spring training here, and uh, this I gotta say I gotta say this uh, spring training uh, ballpark here for the Cubs is really really cool. It's essentially a re- it's essentially a replica of Wrigley Field, just on a smaller scale, which is uh, which is kind of cool. So um, so if uh, for those who haven't had a chance to get out here. Uh, to spring training, I would, uh, if you ever get a chance, I would recommend doing it. I mean, I got, I got a flight out here for, for 75 bucks. I found, I found a flight out here for 75 bucks. Nice. So, so yeah, so, I mean, so there, there are ways to, uh, I mean, it's, it's partly because I've become, uh, kind of, kind of an expert at finding cheap flights, but, uh, but but yeah, I got a flight out here for seventy five bucks this morning, and I'll be here I'll be here all week. So it's been a well, blast so far. Schedule. Check the schedule. You don't want to sit there at that stadium for a whole week. I think the Guardians are going to move around. Well, yes, they are. They're going to be. They're, they're going to be. They're, yeah, they're going to be. They're going to be in Goodyear. Uh, they're going to be in Goodyear tomorrow, and then they play. Uh, they play the White Sox at the White Sox uh, ballpark, which is at a place called um, uh, uh, Camelback Ranch. And then we play uh, a couple more games at uh, Goodyear Ballpark. So, yeah, so we move around a little bit. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a fun day today. And um, the Guardians have taken this uh, Cubs crowd out of it uh, as they now lead by a score of 12-4 to 4 in the top of the eighth inning. All right, Peter. Go enjoy the game. Mesa. Go, go enjoy the game. I will. Thank you. Checking in, and I will. Thank you. Facebook, Peter and Ab on Facebook. Check out all the pictures, and we'll talk to you again very soon. You get that information from me, okay? Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Enjoy yeah, the game, bye. my friend. See you, man. Bye. Have fun. Thanks for all changing right. their luck. Peter Nab checking in from Arizona. That's good. I, I love that kid. And I do too, man. And I, I hate wasn't to say kidding. kid. That wasn't kidding. They haven't won a game all preseason. They've been and, I, <clears throat> and they were losing an hour ago. It's funny. I still call him a kid. The guy's 26 years old now. But when I met him, he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I love that guy. And uh, 
Um, I'm good. To, I'm glad to see him. He's out there enjoying it and good for enjoying him. the weather and everything else. So check out Peter Nab on Facebook. Donate to his cause. Trying to get to all the 162 games, but we'll check in with him when he actually uh, has some more information to uh, to give us on on his sponsorship. On his sponsor. Thanks, Peter. Again, we appreciate. It. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Um, James, come on, Jim. Guardians suck. They don't suck. No. I know how you feel, but I mean, come on, my friend. Even Triv wouldn't say that. And, you know, I know you had conversations with him about the Guardians. And he was rooting for the name on the front of the jersey, meaning the Cleveland part. So, come on. But I know your opinion. That's fine. Speaking of Jim Scott, first-time caller Jim. Love him. One of my dear friends. I hope he feels the same way. Um, He says, go NASCAR. All right. I like NASCAR, too, Jim. Um, But he is going to be on on Monday debating you. On the climate change. Okay. We're going to be talking climate change and global warming. And he says he has absolute proof that people that believe in it are nutcases. Um, I'm going to try to stay somewhat neutral, but I probably won't. Uh, but you are going to take him on in a debate that hopefully won't get violent. And no. we'll stay civil. Yeah. And we'll have a good time with that. Argumentation doesn't mean fight. Yes, but I could see it turning that way. No. Uh, Scott says, sit down, James. (laughs) And then Sandy says, I'll tell him when to sit down. That is absolutely true. uh, He should do a podcast on how to get cheap flights. (laughs) No kidding. There you go. Uh, Yeah, you can comment on the show on YouTube, whatever. or if you're watching on the Facebook channel that we're on, uh, you can uh, leave comments there as well. We're also on the CMS TV network tonight, as we will be from now on. Have you as been to Arizona? I Okay, my Arizona story, I'll make it quick. I drove across the country when I was probably 16, 17 years old with a buddy of mine because I was okay. going to see my dad who lived in California. And we took the southern route. We went Route 66 and then Route 666. Yep. yep. <clears throat> and at some point in Arizona, Flagstaff, Flagstaff's in Arizona, right? Yes, it is. Uh, somewhere in Arizona, though, I it was a desert part because it was we were miles Most away from anything. And I kicked the kill switch on this new car that I had, and I didn't know that I kicked the kill switch because I was in the passenger seat. I didn't know that I kicked it. I didn't know it had a kill switch, yeah. and so I kicked it accidentally. Car stopped middle of the desert. Had no idea what the hell we were going to do. Um, back then, when I was, you know, you didn't have cell phones back when I was you know, 16 years old. Right. And so there was a gas station that wasn't far, but it didn't have like a garage. And plus, my car was a brand new Ford Ranger. It was uh, under warranty. And so we had to be towed like two, 300 miles to the nearest <laughs> oh my like, uh, uh, Ford dealership. And we were, again, we were waiting in the desert for quite some time before you know, a tow truck actually found us and picked us up. Yeah. We got all the way there. We sat there for literally three, four, five hours in this garage. And I look in when they finally took my car in, and I see the mechanic. She's laughing hysterically. I'm like, what the hell are they laughing about? And one guy comes out. He's like, come here. Let me show you what's wrong with your car. He's like, you kicked the kill switch. I said, well, what the hell did I, I – how did I do that? It was right underneath where I was sitting. And he's like, all you had to do is push this button, and your car would have started up again. 
So we sat in the desert for hours on a car in a car that was dead, got towed for hours, and then sat in a garage for hours just to find out if I pushed a button, I would have been able to move my car. Are you the only person that has ever done that? Because I've never heard that story before. But if Ford was making cars and every one of them had a switch that if your child or your dog, if it was on the passenger side or your wife was, not, you know, like you guys were in the parking lot after a date night and people were rolling around in the front seat. Yeah. And you anybody could accidentally kick a quote unquote kill switch. Yeah. And the car didn't work. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And I was. The messed up thing was I was playing a game. I was playing a, like it was like one of those held handheld like football games from back in the day. Right. And I got excited because I was playing a game and I did and I just moved my feet around and in my excitement of winning my game and I kicked this thing that was underneath the glove compartment, stopped the car and whew, that ruined the entire uh, day. And I I sweat a little bit in that in that desert heat. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere waiting to get towed. Well, that's an amazing like story. Freaking ass. I'm glad when, I know that about you. And I'm yeah, I still can't believe that Ford made cars. Whose idea was it at Ford Motor Company to put a kill switch in the car that just like shut the car? But the reason why I asked if you'd ever been to Arizona is there's a couple things I like about Arizona. The Phoenix Airport has the best name in America for airports. The Phoenix Airport is called Sky Harbor. And if you think about that, that's kind of cool, the thought of all those planes just. But anyway, yeah. the the uh, the uh, food, the it's not Mexican food. It's Southwestern food. It's it, it, their food is head and shoulders better than because even the food at the airport, you order Mexican food, Hispanic food at the airport is better than a lot of states in their finest restaurants but the the, they do stuff with green chilies and and different kinds of chilies out there that are amazing yeah i've never my my only time in arizona is getting stuck and then no that's hours upon hours and then driving out of it wow uh we do have paul orlowski on the line now paul orlowski how are you my friend everything's great yourselves we are uh, good. Isn't this a... Mike's what? bringing up uh, airport um, food or just airports in general. Carl Monday and I were flying out to um, uh, the, the investigative reporters uh, convention uh, in um, uh, New Orleans. And so I was working on a story and, you know, to eat at the airport anymore, to get something, you have to be beyond, you have to have a ticket. Right. So we both had tickets. So I told Carl what I was working on. And they checked us and made sure we didn't have any metal on them or any wet on us or any weapons and this and that. And then we went down into the airport concourse and sat down at a restaurant and got a fork knife, a uh, sharp knife uh, to eat a steak after we, after we had been checked. <laughs> this was a hot yeah. So, you know, come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not All really right, so- well thought out, I didn't think. What do you think about the new setup here? There's no flies flying around and we can see you and... Yeah, it's, you can be comfortable in your own home. Your own home, and yeah, and I and, and you know we did have the flies the last time I was on. Yeah, yeah, we did. Rough. Yeah, we had them every time. <laughs> oh boy, you guys. Anyway, but uh, it's a, thanks for having me on again. But yeah, sometimes some of these policies, uh, you know, airports. Ugh, I just um, 
Thank God I didn't have to fly a lot in my last few years of, of, of working. But uh, hey, retirement's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Um, the checks come on time. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> we wanted to have you on because I, there's a lot going on in the news, of course. And we'll talk about that and uh, we'll talk about your book. And I saw that you were doing uh, some book signings. Yeah, that's opened up again, which is kind of nice because, you you know, you hear from people and, uh, uh, heck, I always enjoyed what the heck I did for a living. And um, and half of that is meeting people. And I'm not, not again, not to be critical of anybody, but I'm not so sure that the young ones get what Mike does because, Mike, we, you saw how many times we talked down at the Justice Center. And it's about talking to people. And, yeah. and, and um, I can't know everything that's going on down there. Uh, but uh, but you get to know a bunch of people, you know, Nancy or whoever it is, uh, and you know who the players are. And um, if, they're not going to steer you wrong if, if they know you're going to treat them right. And you try to treat them right, and um, they'll steer you right. So yep. I think, again, not to be critical, but I'm being critical. Uh, you're, you're putting people out on the street right now these days that are you know haven't been around the, the horn a lot, and they think, What's my story today? They go to the assignment desk, they're handed this or that or the other thing, and they go out and make TV out of it, and a lot of them are very good at it. But um, the grassroots stuff, um, I, I, I don't see it right now. So, uh, again, I, 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 I'm trying not to sound like the old grumpy guy who, uh, back in my day, but, <laughs> but I'm sounding exactly like that guy. But I kind of wanted to ask you about what is going on with news today because, you know, I... I... I turned on local news a couple times this past week, and I don't know anybody that's on there anymore, with the exception of the Holly Stranos, the Betsy Klings. Um, what I, I don't know any of these people, these reporters. I don't know they they don't look like they used to. They don't talk like they used to, and it, it seems like a totally different scene. Are they just picking people off the streets? They're going to work for less money to do this kind of job. I, I, I don't well, know. It definitely has to do with less money because they're. I don't know not to brag or anything like that but you know they're probably hired three for me same you know same amount of money when i retired yeah um, and um and that, that, you know and i by the time i got to channel five in 1981 uh i had um been at four five stations so you you know you learn you you grow you, you see other people how they do it and um, on and on it goes now kids are getting out of school and they're they're, they're smart people don't get me wrong um, but they have maybe got a year and a half under their belt before yeah. they get to Cleveland. Right. And it, it's a rough town. And I, I, I have some fears about, um, uh, about, about this. And one of the fears is the fact that um, they're sending people 24 years old, maybe out in some bad neighborhoods alone. This whole idea of this um, multimedia journalist, you're doing everything. You, you go out, you report the story, you know, Report the story, write the story, edit the story yourself, and they're very skilled at it. But you know, if I worked an eight-hour shift, um, I had eight hours to think about the journalism. If you're doing those three jobs, well, divide eight hours by three because that's how much you know, right. third of the time uh, on, the, on the, the journalism, the research, or whatever it is. But um, it's the way the business is going, and it ties clearly to the fact that the advertising dollars aren't there without the car dealers. Uh, you know. I'm not sure that they, they, they exist. Pretty much. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that, at least that's my view of the whole thing. But, um, yeah, the, um, uh, you know, so much, so many more dollars are going to cable. Steve Craig, who used to work at Channel 5 many years ago, had a great saying. 
about how broadcasters didn't know how to manage their resources or their, their money. They used to basically charge, hey, what are we gonna charge this year? Because there were only three outlets in town. And his, his analogy was very good. And he said, well, imagine if there are only three gas stations in town, uh, you know, called three, five, and eight. They can charge whatever they want, right? Well, now you've got 150 gas stations in town. They didn't, you know, in the, in, when it was three, five, and eight, they didn't have to be very good managers. They charged right. whatever they want. And so, so he, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good analogy, I believe. Uh, and they haven't caught up with the, uh, the pace of things, it would seem to me. But, and, and the Internet has just robbed all kinds of dollars. I mean, Fox 8, like this one person, Mark, points out, Fox 8 somehow keeps their anchor reporters for years compared to other stations. I mean, yeah, their morning show hasn't changed a whole lot. And they seem to be doing a good job with that. But I watched 19. I had no idea who these people were. Yeah, and I, I loved I, 19 for so many years, and I still do. But I, I don't. I, I didn't recognize anybody. It was too much, too, way too much turnover. There's no question. You know, Fox 8 took a bad thing that happened to them, and they turned it into a gold mine because they're by far and away the, the morning's news um, leader. I mean, there, there's no, not even a race. But years ago, um, you know, Channel 8 was CBS, and there was the big switch. Uh, Channel 19 became the CBS affiliate, and Channel 8 became the Fox affiliate. Well, Fox only provided a couple of hours of programming at night. And that was it. There was no morning show, Today Show, or Good Morning America, or any of that. So they put a morning show on because they had to fill time. And doing local news is cheaper than buying syndication. Syndication can be, you know, very expensive. A real fortune and jeopardy, unbelievable costs. You put news on and it's cheaper. Well, they had to put all this programming on. Well, then morning news got to be popular and morning news is the place to go and people weren't staying up as late, so you have to have morning news. Well, Channel 8 now, by this time, had a six or seven year head start on everybody else. So that negative, I suppose, turned into a huge positive. And, and, you know, they're by far and away the, the, the radio's leader in the morning. And it carries through through the day because if people recognize people and, you know, they get comfortable with the station. People have their stations. Uh, our parents did. Everybody did. Uh, you know, in those days, there were three people, th- channel three people, channel five people, and channel eight people. Mostly I, actually, I actually got a chance to benefit from what you're talking about when Fox did their morning stuff because they were looking for programming. And they hired my. They hired me, and they hired another great comic by the name of Jeff Blanchard. And uh, once a week, we were on that morning show doing sure. what was called Fox Unplugged, and okay. it was a comedic look at the week's news. Yeah. And they let us know what the subjects were, and we'd sit there in a panel and go back and forth. And had a great time, but nobody else was doing that. They were doing local programming. Uh, we were on the air before Kenny Crumpton even started. And then he sure. started and was part of it. And, you know, there was just an awful lot of features there on uh, that you couldn't find anywhere else. I lament the fact now, going back to what you were saying, is that they're putting people out on the street and the language is getting butchered. Oh. You, they, the malaprops, when they think they're doing an old saying and they misquote what those are and, like sneaks into the i'm gonna tell you one thing the three of us and anybody listening if you want to have an amazing lesson about the way things have changed 
go online and watch the old uh, Merv Griffin, uh, or no, Mike Douglas mm-hmm. shows, and watch how a guest would come on and they would talk paragraphs and at length and use vocabulary that people now are like, oh, and these were just men and women off the street. That was yeah. just, and and you never heard him say, well, kind of like, and oh my, <laughs> you, you know, you will sit there and see the richness of how people talked and communicated. And that's not around anymore. My dad used to yell at us because if, if you ever use the term, um, you know, yeah, I know. Why, why do you have to say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Here's here's one to look out for in today's news and, and the networks as well. I'm not picking on local news. Um, they'll say the Cleveland Indians, they are. Well, you already have a noun in your. The Cleveland yes. Indians are. Yes. Not Cleveland. Yes. They are. And then That's what it, I mean. It's on and on and on and on and on. Again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody either, but I watched a story the other night, and there was a woman reporter, and she was out covering something. I'm not going to even get into what the story was, but. She didn't look like she dressed for the news. It looked like she got up, threw on whatever clothes she wanted to throw on, like if she was going to the mall that day, yeah. and went out and did a, a yeah. reporting job. Yeah. And you're sitting there, you're on TV. What are you doing? I mean, look, we do a stupid show that's on, I guess, on video and stuff, but you don't have to watch us if you don't want to. You can listen to us. Um, but you're on TV. You're on reporting a story. And you dress like you were going to Walmart. Well, I'll tell you another funny story about that. If you were working on a series or something, they would give you a day or two to work on it. But then something would break, and they would say, "Well, all right, we we, we can't we can't give you the day to work on your series today. You got to go out." So we had something called defensive dressing. So we would wear, uh, you know, you you'd still wear a jacket, but like no tie and jeans. That meant you couldn't be on TV. So we used ah. to, the reporters, all reporters knew what defensive dressing was because it was like right way kind of throwing your middle finger at the assignment desk. Like, look, I can't, oh, I can't, I can't go out today. And so we called it defensive dressing. That's funny. <laughs> today, I look better than what a lot. Of right, people. exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For this, you were dressed more appropriately than that woman was that I saw. But Triv <laughs> loved nineteen because Dan Solomon was like the greatest guy ever to to Triv, and like he always trusted me. He always trusted me. Yeah, and the reporters, all you guys were just always there when we needed something. And that's the way news should be. It should be reporting. It should be interactive with radio. It should be sure so people know what's going on. Now, it doesn't seem like that at all. It just doesn't seem like the same even a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Salomon was, uh, he was, a, he was a real, I still talk to him from time to time. Oh, really? He was a character. Yeah, we, you know, it was, it was. They never forced you, but it was it was part of your job to go out and do stuff to promote the station, to promote yourself. And the one thing that doesn't happen anymore, and uh, <laughs> I, I I gave it up before some did, at various events, whether it be the, the car show or this or that. Uh, in my case, the tall ships uh, came into town, and they'd have you go, and you'd sit behind a little table, and you'd have you know your eight by tens that you would sign for people, or some postcard thing you would sign for people. And the stations had giveaways, you know, so like a Channel 35 or 1943 balloons that you'd give out. So people would come, and, but when they used to come up to the thing, you'd be sitting there behind this table, and people would talk about you like in the third person. And the guy would look at the wife and say, now which one's he? <laughs> you felt like an animal in the zoo, right? Yeah. 
Now there, there's your picture right there and your name. But then which one's this one? What? Who's this guy's name? So fine. Well, one time we were at the parade of uh, what are they call the parade of ships, I think, down at North Coast Harbor, and the um, we, we we had like balloons and some uh, some pens we were giving away, and it was a hot day, so we had these little packets of uh, sunscreen. Good idea, and something right. else. No, I don't remember what it was. So this one guy goes through, and he says, uh, "Let me have a couple of them ink pens, and a balloon, and uh, two or three of them condoms." <laughs> was, was uh, just what they want to go to channel 19 condoms right <laughs> i said that's it i'm done with the booths no more booths for me and i haven't no done more. one since or even after you know, that was 10 years before i retired i said oh my gosh but but it, it is community involvement and, and and this and that uh but um uh you know the wviz auctions and all they've been with every reporter in town will go down and do that and it was fun and it was a camaraderie some i know all the street knew all the street reporters and photographers uh, back in the day because that's who we would see out on the street but you wouldn't always see the anchors or other people in the in the house so you, it was there was a lot of that going on a lot of um, camaraderie in that way and uh, I, from what I, and a lot of drinking after work too which also doesn't exist anymore and that's probably a good thing but uh, <laughs> you know we used to go down to the headliner bar at 17th and superior there you go which sadly is now a subway, but um, you know, I like I'd subway down there and talk to the plane dealer reporters, and they maybe never drink too many, and they kind of talk a little too much about a story they were going to do, and I I do it before them, you know. Uh, <laughs> it was just you know it was, it was a different thing, a whole different thing, and again, um, I'm, I keep trying not to mention back in the day, <laughs> right? But it is. I mean, yeah. um, Scott wants to know. Cleveland used to be like fifth market size, or not so much anymore. Is that part of it? The quality of reporters? I think it only got up to about number seven. So, but nonetheless, it was still it was, yeah, pretty very, big market. Yeah. When I um, when I first started applying here, because it took me a while to get hired, uh, Cleveland was probably number nine or ten. When I was hired, it was number twelve, and I think now it's probably nineteen or twenty. And wow. it has nothing to do with Cleveland or the the, the DMA. The, area of dominant influence, DMI. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that other towns have grown. We've stayed static. I think we're about a million five in the 19 counties that we uh, that we covered. But you know, think about it. Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, uh, Charlotte have all gone past us. Yeah. So we've remained static. But no, he's right. Um, but the, the, the bigger impact on the um, salaries is just advertising. The revenue is divided. The pie is divided in too many different ways. Uh, the book is called "Punch Kicked, Spat On, and Sometimes Thanked." Natalie wanted to know where can you get the book. I got a bunch of them here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll send the people over to your house. Here we go. We'll just put your address up. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, uh, and that does sum it up. I did leave out "shot at" because I was shot at twice because I thought that was bragging. Punch, kick, spat on, sometimes thank memories of a Cleveland street reporter. Um, Amazon has it. Uh, actually, some a lot of the drug marts have it. I think they have it a couple bucks off. Um, not all of them, but some of the drug marts have it. Uh, Books a million, I know, in that Rocky River. Yeah, Rocky River. Uh, what am I? Um, oh, uh, Barnes & Noble. So, yeah, it's around. Yeah. That's for sure. But it's, it's probably 250 or more. 
there's stories about dumb stuff that I've done. I, I, I've probably told you, you know, some of the dumber stories because my big mouth got me in a lot of trouble. Um, and I was down at Reagan's inauguration and uh, it was going to cover the parades because the parade had local kids in it um, and some mounted units, various police agencies and stuff that the Brunswick band was one of them. So we're going to uncover that. So I'm down there with a cameraman and this is the one where they canceled the parade because it was two degrees. So that'd be January of 85. And um, so the station had sent me a camera guy down there and they want a story. So they're going to find something. So I'm out in front of the White House and I'm talking, uh, trying to do my stand-up. And they were wiring down the sewer caps because they were worried about somebody throwing a smoke bomb down there to disrupt the parade. And today we'd be worried about ricin or something, <laughs> nuclear or something, you know. But anyway, we're worried about that. They were worried about that. So I'm doing my stand-up and it's two degrees. I can't get it right. I just can't get it right. And the cameraman's like, come on, you ass. Come on, I'm, I'm freezing. Get it done. Right. So I'm almost done with a good take. This guy jumps out of a limo. He says, hey, man, where are you from? What's going on? So he wrecked my take. So I say, hey, pal, why don't you take an effing hike? He puts his hand up. He goes, hi, Mike Love at the Beach Boys. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know, dumb stuff like that. Uh, you, you run into a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, I'm just some kid from a small town and you know i met a lot of people and uh, religiously i mean i've interviewed tutu mandela uh, farrakhan uh, bunches of people you know bunches That's of folks great. yeah it's just uh, who would have thought right when i was a kid that would in in high school senior year if i had to give a presentation in front of the class i'd figure out a way to get out of it I, wow I was, I was very much very shy what did you want to do when you were young? What's that? What did you want to do when you were young? You know, when I was 17, no, 16, uh, a kid in my high school, my, my father wanted to be an engineer. He's a mechanical engineer. <clears throat> but a kid in my high school had a job on a radio station. And I say, hey, how'd you get that job? And he said, uh, well, you got to get a license because you have to know how to run the transmitter. Uh, so I went up to the FCC office and took the test, I passed the test, and you know, got the license. So the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, uh, I saw him on the street. I said, hey, how's it going at the radio station? And he says, I'm going to quit this week. I said, why are you quitting? He said, I got drafted. I'm going to Vietnam. Wow. This will be the summer of 69. Uh, I'm 16. And so I said, well, do you care if I go apply for your job? And he said, what do I care? I'm going to Vietnam. So I went up to the radio station. The guy tore off some wire copy off the old teletype machine, had me read it. He said, um, is Joe your father? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you start Saturday morning. It's a buck 60 an hour. There you go. I thought I was going to be the big big time, big city disc jockey. I think the first rec Honky Tonk Woman was number one, so that's probably the first uh, first record I played. But wow. yeah, dollar sixty an hour. Wow. You know, that's crazy because my daughter just started working. Okay. And she's working at a... Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the place, but she's working at a fast food place. Uh-huh. And she's making $13 an hour. Wow. And she doesn't have to work the grill. She doesn't have to do anything. I mean, her job is literally to hand some stuff out of drive through window. Yeah. <laughs> and making $13 an hour. And you sit back and you think, man, that's an entry-level wage, first-time job ever. And that's the kind yeah. of money she's making. And it, it's shocking to me. But, it's hard to say out of broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, she's taking a broadcasting school uh, class at school. Good. 
And I think it's great. She's doing like the morning announcements and she's learning TV yeah. stuff. Actually, a lot of uh, behind cool. the camera stuff and on camera, a lot of everything with broadcasting. And I told her, it, it's great. I love it. I love seeing it on camera. You're doing a great job, but don't follow this path right now. <laughs> it might get better. God willing, it gets better. But right now, keep your mind on other things as well. Yeah. It does build self-confidence. I mean, Oh, I yeah. I was the kid who wouldn't stand up in front of the class, and now I'm, you know, here in Cleveland chasing people down the street with a microphone and uh, talking to you guys, which is fun. That was the same thing for me. When I started going to broadcasting school, I I was terrified to get up and just give a speech. Yeah. And a few years later, I was in front of a a crowd at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse or Gundarino, whatever it was back then, in front of 20,000 people bringing on Mm -hmm. a band. And so, yeah, broadcasting does bring something out of you that, Right, you may not have had before. Probably not. Some some sorts of Mike, you, you can talk to this. Some of that background is probably a great uh, preparation, I suppose, for law or for or for even comedy. You know, you, you gotta you gotta people, know how to present. People something. always asked about what carried over in this and that thing, and I, for me, the most uh, important thing, and you have to do that in broadcasting. You certainly had to do it on the street. What it did was take down the inhibition about talking to strangers for the first time. Yeah. When you you don't have 20 minutes to introduce yourself to an audience that paid to come see you. You got to talk to them like you know them from the first sentence. And, and so that was the part that you, know, you have the confidence to do that. The other thing that gives you confidence when you're on stage is you can't see past the fourth row. So when you know there's a few hundred people in that room and you can only see, you know, a tenth of them, uh, the rest of that's blind faith. And I use that pun intentionally. But um, that's what carried over is being able to communicate. And but and it's a lot of what Seth said, and it's a lot of what you do, you know, used to do on the street. When you something happens and you're interviewing witnesses, you talk to who's ever close to you and you don't know what they're going to say, but what you get them to say or get them to open up. And, and that's the art form right there. So the, the biggest mistake that the young ones make and my former cameraman, Marty, uh, you know, we worked together every day for 19 years. He says it's because nobody could stand me. I say it's because nobody could, none of the other reporters could stand him and none of the other photographers could stand me. He's probably right. But the biggest mistake they make, you get to a scene and there's, you know, it's hectic, something's going on. Right. And they'll walk up to somebody and say, can we talk to you for a minute? You, now you give them the, the out. You've given them the opportunity to say no. Say no, exactly. You just go, hey, what'd you see? Hey, what happened? Right. And, and my, you know, again, I, I, I go back to the law. There's probably a wrong way to answer a question when you've got somebody on the stand because you're giving the opportunity to say no or not explain. Well, here's the one I wanted to ask you, because when Seth told me you were coming on the show, I thought, great, it'd be good to talk to him again. But then I what I need to know is, have you followed it all, any of the uh, Murdoch trial that's been going on? My wife more than me. Okay. I, because he took the stand, and I don't a, know. I saw some of that. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a skilled lawyer. And, well, but uh, I was going to ask you, with all the... Um, experience you have and all the conversations we've had after trials in the Justice Center, what you thought of how that went, or, or if that was a risky... I, I'm really curious because um, I'm not so sure, even after what he did, if I was his lawyer, I would have... 
But then again, it's one of those things where you have to let them, otherwise mm-hmm. they don't go their way. It's your fault. So I, I thought there are various of the, of the little bit. I didn't watch it all, but there are a couple of points where he would give these kind of vague answers. And if I was the guy grilling him, uh, the prosecutor, sir, yes or no. Thank you. And here's the other one. I can't believe they missed this one. They closed before he took the stand by making a big deal out of the fact that, well, it couldn't have been him because he's taller than three foot eight. And the angle of the shot was the, and then the first thing he said was, I rode down there in a golf cart, in a golf cart. Yeah. And the prosecutor never said, by the way, how tall are you when you were sitting in a golf cart? Yeah. They never yeah. even made that connection. It seemed to me, and again, you're more skilled in this than I, but the prosecutor wasn't real sharp, I didn't think. Just yeah. to, again, I didn't watch it all, so I... But, but yeah, but I mean, at some point in time, and I did not intentionally uh, kill my wife and, and son. Sir, what, yeah. does intentionally, what does intentionally mean? Come on. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's because you were addicted to drugs. Okay, fine. Yeah. 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 I thought there were some, what's the word? Um, opportunities missed. Exactly. So did I. Yeah. See, I, I watched quite a bit of, of that and it seems like the prosecutor is more interested in saying, well, you're a liar. You lied to these people. You lied to your friends. You lied to family. You lied to your clients. You lied, you lied, 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 lied. lied. Well, his point is, well, fine. I, I'm, yes, I'm a liar. And yes, I yeah. cheated people out of money. Exactly. But I didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the first, Two examples of him lying. You proved he's a liar. Move on to yeah. something else. Yeah. I, think you, Mike, I think you can bore a jury too. They turn yes. it off. All right, we know he's a liar. Stop. Move on. Yeah, it's been nonstop. And I kind of wanted to get in with some of that new stuff with the media. I mean, there's a lot coming out um, with the. I'm trying to word this right so we don't get banned off of any other channel. Uh, <laughs> the past couple of years, the media has said. Don't, you know, trust the science, trust this, trust that. Now all these reports are coming out that um, maybe the virus came from the Wuhan lab, that maybe, you know, immunity does work. But why did the media try to cover stuff up? Why is the media the way that it is now? There's such a change, I think, in the way media reports things now as opposed to back in the day. Back in the day, there was a 70% trust rate of news people in this country. Now it's down to like 7 percent because the media does things differently why why is that why do they have a bias now in media and i'm saying on both sides that they didn't seem to have before or did they we just didn't know it well I th- no i don't think they had it in the past but i think it's funny you say that the 70 versus the seven that's almost directly cor- uh, direct correlation to the ratings that's how many people are watching tv now and how many yeah. used to watch tv um it, 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 it all got started with the cnn versus Fox, CNN versus Fox, and other stations now fil- filters down to the local level. Um, yeah, well, we're either going to take this bent or that bent. My thought was always this. Here's what this side says. Here's what that side says. Who cares what Paul Orlowski thinks? Make up your mind. You got a mind. You don't Thank have you. to be lockstep in with Fox or lockstep in with, with CNN. And that's the way it used to be. Um, and another, there's another thing going on in news that uh, I started to find troubling it's from from the outside looking in now um 
in, in let's say the 80s on into the early 90s the sales department wouldn't dare come down into the news department and try to affect the story i mean I, i've done stories that have lost the stations tens of thousands of dollars but nothing was ever said because the story was true now you know come on you see what goes on is oh yeah here's a great news story and guess where we are we're over here at this or that furniture store and, da, 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 and they've got a great sale well yeah, don't say that, that's an advertisement. That's not news. And, and again, back to the old Paul the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were told numerous times on the radio that if it was a negative story about somebody that was a sponsor, we were told, hey, watch what you say. Yeah, well, it's a yeah. news story. <laughs> but yeah. if they're spending money, we don't want to hurt their feelings, then, you know, you can't do it. And that was, I always thought that was kind of weird. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Good it's, or it's, bad, we're a news station. You got to report the news. Yeah, and that didn't used to exist. But again, I'm going back 30 years here, you know, 25, 30 years. But it, it changed, I'm saying, in the mid 90s. Maybe, maybe I'm late, a little after that. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to get into some of the, uh, the good stories that you have because a lot of people maybe not have heard them the first time that you were on. And I think they're uh, very interesting. But we got to take a quick break. So can you sure. hang on for just a couple? Love to. All right, we'll be right back with Paul Orlowski. Hang on. What separates Triv's Restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single item on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious, and it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, and intimate occasions. You can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own dedicated intimate space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations. 440-238-8830. Trivs in Strongsville. Joe Burdick custom flags are amazing. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection, making each piece of patriotic wall art unique. This is a local small business, veteran owned and proud. Joe Burdick creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your spirit, pride, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065, Joe Burdick Flags. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. The check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, and the light is still on. 216-470-0170. That's Charlie's Auto Repair, 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all, from small engine repair to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. Winter is here. So call Charlie's Auto Repair for snow plowing needs. 216-470-0170. Charlie's Auto Repair. 
Let Charlie make your car great once again. Back here on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Vesalka, Paul Orlowski, our guest. Um, the book is called Punch, Kicked, Spat On, and Sometimes Thanked. Uh, go to Drug Mart, Amazon, get the book. It's fantastic. I know uh, James, one of our uh, faithful watchers, viewers, listeners, whatever you want to call, said it's a great read. Uh, he won a book, actually, last time that you were on, so mm. uh, he was very excited about that. I don't use a lot of big words, so that's why it's an easy read. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, yeah, I, that's why I like it, because it's real simple for a guy like me. Because I, I, I don't know a lot of big words. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the big stories that you covered, I know that you know, we talked about it a, a while ago when you were on, uh, but some people haven't heard them. The Amanda, Gina... Michelle story. I mean, you were on the scene, right? Uh, well, I, I, tell the story I, about what happened there. Well, they were found about, I had done a, a live shot in the five o'clock news. So I had just gotten home, sat down, poured a little glass of wine and my phone rang and the girls were found about six Oh three. I got the call about six ten, So right. I had a good source and said, Hey, we found those girls. I said, what are you talking about? He says, uh, Amanda and Gina. Well, I said it. I said, what are you talking about? Amanda and Gina Hayes? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, no, no kidding. And he said, yeah, I'm the third girl. And I said, another body? Well, because I, you know, I assumed after 10 years, right. you know, right. they had been killed. Yeah. He goes, no, no, a lie. I said, okay, I'll call you right back. So I got in my car, I was driving like a maniac downtown. I called Dan Salamone. I said, Dan, throw everything you've got at this story. Get over there right now. Uh, gave me the address, and which they did, and so I sped downtown, got there, and um, that we already had a crew on the scene, uh, and we were like forty-five minutes ahead of all the other stations, and um, uh, it, it was just like a joyous, uh, it was amazing. Um, the people they couldn't believe that the, you know they had been right there in their neighborhood. It wasn't those girls' neighborhood, but where they had been held uh, by Castro. And um, uh, so we just continued reporting until probably that would be, by the time we broke on the air, it was probably 6.20. And we were there until probably 2.30 in the morning. I went home for a couple hours, slept, and then back. And, um, and but then it had become a national story, but all the nationals hadn't gotten there. So I was doing all kinds of phone reports for CNN, Fox, this one, that one, the other one. And um, it was, to be honest, it's been kind of, it's kind of a blur. Um, so I went home and slept. I never did finish that wine <laughs> for a couple of days. Um, and, um, the fu- the, one of the funnier things about it was doing all this, all this national stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I talked to the, the BBC Scotland, the BBC London, the BBC Wales, uh, Finland radio. I had this call from Japan and this supposedly was the guy who was the Japanese anchor for or Japanese radio and supposedly spoke English. Well, he's asking me these questions and I can't make heads or tails out of it. And so I'm trying to be nice to the guy. And um, so he says, Paul, blah, 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 blah. I, I pick up a few words. I said, well, if you're asking me how did I find out about it, yeah, I'll tell the story I just told you guys. Um, he said, well, ask me another question. I could hardly make it out. And I said, well, if you're asking me what was it like that night, can I answer the questions? Well, then he said something like, and I heard, thought I heard the word fire truck in, in this question. I said, you know what? 
this is probably like Howard Stern or something. And they're going to be playing this thing for the next 20 years. And remember when we got that idiot reporter in Cleveland? So I hung up on the guy. <laughs> it probably was the real guy because they did call back when I said because they had a country code. I said, no, I'm not going to enough. Be humiliated for the next 10 years. <laughs> you got to have a little, you know, I tend to be a little wary of certain things. Yeah. Street. That was that was a crazy night because I remember when Triv called me. Yeah. He found out from a source that he had. Might have been the same source. I don't know. But he uh, called me. He's like, they found the girls. I was like, what? And he told me who they found. And I was like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. And luckily, I was on my way home. We had the Indians on that night. Right. And so you know, I went home and cracked open a beer as soon as I possibly could because I knew that if I was at least drinking, they couldn't tell me to come in. <laughs> and, and, and it was like because I, I knew it would be one hell it would be like a 24 hour thing and was. so uh, the next day was crazy but yeah that was a that was a hell of a story and yeah. uh, it was, but again as we talked about earlier it comes from working sources knowing people they trust you they know you're not going to sniff on you, you know they you, you develop these relationships and when you've only been in town for you know three months you're not going to have those types of relationships and um you mentioned, you mentioned one other thing that's really important, too, and I think Seth understands this in his line of work, and it's certainly the same when you're doing comedy, and it's part of what's missing when I watch the uh, news today. Mm-hmm. And you said it was, you were in a store, and you said it was all a blur. And yeah. that's because when you're real and you're genuine and you're doing it the right way, you're not standing off to the side watching what's going on and watching what you're doing. So afterwards, people will tell you, oh, you said this, you said that, great question. And you don't even know that you did it because, and that's what's missing. So anybody who was in broadcasting school or wants to be a news person or is on the air now, if you've never experienced that, you got a ways to go. And that's one of the things, Paul, that I think is why the city loves you is because you always made them feel that they were part of the story or they were there because you were a conduit, not a add on. Well, I, I hope so. I'll tell you a funny story about not knowing what you just said. I was down on the floor of the convention and some, some other live shot crapped out. So I said, Hey, uh, can you kill, <laughs> can you kill a minute and a half? Uh, this was in one of the five o'clock, four, four or five o'clock news. It wasn't the main newscast, but uh, you know, do something about who's there. So I'm, because I'm down on the floor, so I see everybody. So I, they they throw to me, and I start talking about, well, you know, I saw this one. So who, this one's here. This one's there. And then I said, uh, oh, and um, oh, I saw uh, Bruce Jenner is here. I'm sorry. I said whatever he's calling himself these days. I didn't know I said it. So, so. That was kind of the end of the live shot. Yeah. Nobody said anything to me. My phone rings. It's my <laughs> wife. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you know what you just said? I said, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> Luckily, nothing ever came of it. But <laughs> Right. You know, these days, you got to be careful. But it, I, I had no idea that I said it. I was just riffing, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, when you're in the, in the midst of it, you don't necessarily Absolutely. remember. Anthony Soul, another story that you covered, correct? Oh, yeah. That, the weirdest thing about seeing the bodies come out day after day after day was weird. And buried here and there, and then the police, the fact that the one woman had jumped out the window, and because she was a poor black crack addict, 
been a believer. Um, but the weirdest thing was when we went to court and stood in court, I was 10 feet away from Anthony Sowell. And he, um, you just look at the guy. I'm standing not too far away from a guy that, just mur um, that murdered 11 people. It's, and again, back to Mike, you've been in court with some heinous people. Uh, and it's just, it's like man's inhumanity to man. Or I, it just struck me. Another guy very much like that was Lundgren. Uh, Jeffrey Lundgren, the Kirtland cult killer from back in the 90s, I guess. Um, I've never seen anybody with his dead eyes. When that guy walked by me at the Lake County Sheriff's <laughs> Department, I, honestly, gosh, I really felt like the, the temperature in the room went down mm. 10 degrees. It was, he's just dead eyes. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, and I mean, I've witnessed executions. They weren't as chilling as, I covered Jeffrey, I didn't witness his execution. Uh, but uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. oh, it, it was chilling. Scott texted in and said, what was your experience with 9-11? Um, what did I do on 9-11? Um, well, I was I was working at night, and so I was in bed, and my wife said, hey, a plane just hit the uh, World Trade Center. And so uh, I said, oh, yeah, that happened at the um, Empire State Building many years ago after the war. B-25 Mitchell had run into the... Uh, Empire State Building. So maybe, what was it, 22 minutes later or something like that? Just, another plane just hit the other tower. It says, I'm going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, I drove downtown and we did whatever we could. And uh, uh, Denise DeFala and a camera person um, I think immediately started off for, for New York. And they did get down there to be, a, I think they were over in Battery Park looking at Manhattan. Um, but we just, you know, trying to find people with connections uh, to it. And we knew there were certainly local victims uh, in the building. But uh, again, you know, much like what you said, Mike, that's another day that's kind of a blur. And yeah. probably to most Americans as well. But uh, the way it started was second, second one hit, I said, okay, I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, funniest story in your book that you could talk about as far as being spat on when you talk about being spat on? That wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. Uh, well, it's okay. kind of funny. I mean, it is funny uh, when you look back at it now. Funny to you. Funny <laughs> to the rest funny of us. Yeah, right. It's funny when I read in the book. I'm sorry. I uh, know. No, I'm teasing you. Um, well, the funniest story. That's interesting. One of the funnier ones is just when I was first in town because so many people used to watch the news back in the day. Was this um, old fellow? I was on Public Square. I only been in town for about a year. And he goes, uh, "Hey, Orlowski." I said, hey, how you doing, buddy? He said, I'm Romowski, too. I said, hey, that's good. I said, I bet, I bet you don't spell it like me. <laughs> You're damn right I don't. Everybody wants to put a Y on it on the end of it now because everybody spells the name L-O-W-S-K-I, and mine's got L-U-S-K-Y. Yeah. Said, everybody wants to put a Y on the end of it now. Every time I go to the bank, they screw up my name, and it never happened until you got to town. <laughs> you know, in those days, those old, they, those old ethnics will tell you exactly what they're thinking. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, something interesting, though, from let's say 1982, you'd go into certain neighborhoods. This is still a lot of post-war people uh, living there, and you'd ask them questions, and they, they looked at the media as being an arm of government. You'd have people see the media, oh, you know, because you know, they came from uh, Europe, pre and post-war Europe, 
they didn't they didn't trust the media, which is a, an interesting uh, vibe for me. Uh, the funniest story probably is Dorothy Fulbright. Um, she did her commentaries. She was supposed to be two minutes and ten seconds at six o'clock, and um, a minute and ten at eleven. And I was both the eleven o'clock reporter as well as the producer of the news at eleven o'clock. And so Dorothy was always going along. Well, I figured out pretty quickly that she'd do two topics. Typically, they were Regan or the Saudis. And so one night, we had a lot of news happening, and I had to have something, you know, and I needed more time. So I said to the, the director, long, long time director, uh, I said, hey, once she's done talking about Regan, I said, boom, cut her. You're playing with fire, Junior. Nobody cuts Dorothy. I said, ah, she'll never know. She doesn't watch another o'clock news. So he did it. No problem. Nobody ever said anything. So then um, I do that uh, every other week. Well, one night, we they would tell you we had all these scripts down the board in those days. And so he said, uh, Junior, you're 211 long. So that meant you had to go cut some scripts and retype some scripts. And a lot, it was going to be a lot of work. Kill this story or kill that. I went down the board, and miraculously, Dorothy was 211. So I take her script off the thing. I throw it in the garbage. I said, well, problem solved. He just looked at me, shook his head. She never found out. So I would do that maybe once a month, but not very often. So one day I go into work and Lou Maglio sat next to me. And Lou said, Orlo, did you kill Dorothy last last night? Or he didn't say, did you cut Dorothy last night? And I said, I, I had done it so often I couldn't remember. I said, yeah, I think so. Said, She's down, she's been down here like five times. She's loaded for bear. She's looking for you. I said, what, did you cut her? I said, oh yeah, I did. Goes, Completely? I said, yeah. Nobody cuts her completely. I said, well, I had a lot of news. I had it. He said, well, she's looking for you. Just said, well, keep your eyes open. So, well, maybe 30 minutes later, here came Dorothy. The door of the newsroom swung open, and Dorothy's very short. And we had these dividers between our desks. So Lou said to me, he goes, Orlo, here she is. I don't know what motivated me. I kicked my chair back. I went down on all fours and hid under my desk. And... <laughs> So Lou covered for me. So Lou says, oh, Miss Fulheim, how are you? Which one is the producer? Oh, um, have a nice day, Miss Fulheim? I said, which one is the producer? He said, oh, uh, and Lou didn't even give up my name. Everybody calls me Orlo. He goes, oh, that's the big O, Miss Fulheim. He goes, well, where's the big O? And he said, oh, he's out on a story right now, Miss Fulheim. So now I'm down on all fours. I'm looking up at Lou, and I'm going, I'm giving him a thumbs up. <laughs> and so, so, well, you tell the big O to come see me when he's back or he's fighting. He goes, okay, we'll do, Miss Fulham. I never went to see her and she forgot. You know what? Finish your story. No, it's a different, it's a different story about Dorothy. Oh, okay. I was going to say that was opportunity there for a great joke too, but nobody <laughs> thought about it at the time. When she said, where's the big O? He should have said, getting that juice down to Lawson's in 40 hours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's a Cleveland. There's a there's that's a Cleveland, Cleveland joke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, on a different note, um, everybody's seen the video for throwing Jerry Rubin off the off the show uh, when he talked called the police pigs. But one night, it was about um, the Cleveland. We thought the Cleveland press was going to fold, but we could not figure it out. And all the stations were trying to figure that out, and we we couldn't figure it out. So one of the camera guys radioed back that he saw a live truck in front of channel what one of the other stations i was at five it might have been channel three live truck in front of the cleveland press and we go oh boy maybe they know something 
And um, so six o'clock, we're all there, we're watching the news and Dorothy came through to go do her commentary uh, at about 10 minutes after, but she was going out to the studio. She walked by and she said to me, what's everyone looking at? I said, well, Miss Fulheim, everybody called her Miss Fulheim to her face, mother behind her back. Uh, Miss Fulheim, we're trying to figure out, uh, it's a clean mess that's going to fold, and we've been trying to run it down for a couple of days, and we can't figure it out. Would you like me to find out? And I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. So she goes, get me a telephone. So, you know, we, there was a phone right there, so we got the phone, you know, kind of genuflected, handed it to Miss Fulheim. She made a phone call, and she said, Herb Cam, please, who was the uh, publisher, editor, whatever, in charge. <laughs> And then she slams her phone down, her hand down after a couple of minutes and says, I must speak to him, it's Dorothy. 20 seconds go by. Herb, it's Dorothy. Is it true? I must know. She goes, thank you. And she looked at me and she goes, it's true. We went with the story. She went out to the studio, dusted the commentary that she had written down, it was on a teleprompter, and talked for two minutes off the top of her head and one of the most eloquent things I've ever heard in, in my life about the, the demise of journalism and competition and news and stuff like that. So the, 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 on, my, on all fours is probably my favorite. Uh, most, you know, big investigative reporter, right? Real, real brave guy hiding from a woman who's like 4'8", or whatever she was. What was the newsroom back? What was it like back in the day? Because, I mean, like I see now, obviously, these media companies are firing people left and right. And, yeah. You know, well, building like we had in Independence, it started out completely full, and every desk in the newsroom was taken. Yeah. To all of a sudden, nothing was taken, and we ended up leasing out the building to other people. Right. Well, you, you know, you would go to a fire at night, and um, you know there'd be WZAK would be there. Uh, was it uh, TAM? There'd be five radio stations. Yeah. And three TV stations at a fire at night. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Uh, and, and so a lot of changes, you know, in that regard. But the newsroom, when I got there, um, I was a, I was the anchor man down in Youngstown. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to move up to Cleveland. I've always been a Cleveland Browns fan and, and love Cleveland. Got the job here. But you had to figure out a way to get on the air because you were dealing with some experienced people who've been here for a long time or had new here they've been in other markets and knew a lot so you know you're, you're a great city hall reporter various beat school board this and that so you had to figure out a way so i, I kind of started by kind of finding um you know uh, funny features uh I, I do a feature and they kick it in and stuff like that and then eventually you, you kind of work your way in but you didn't you weren't just put on the air just like that you had to work because they were experienced good people uh so um which helps you from the standpoint of competition but it makes you be a, a you know better reporter and, and, and better on your feet. And the other part about that is to watching all those good, experienced people. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't see the uh, willingness uh, some of the younger ones maybe to listen anymore because um, I think maybe they know the answers. And maybe maybe people looked at me that way. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's 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 a it's just a different environment. And again, I always have to go back to the uh, uh, the economics of it. It's, you know. If you're hiring somebody that's got 15 years under the belt, they're not going to work for $42,000 a year. But that, let me ask one other question, though, too. And it's a look forward instead of just what's going on now. 
There's a famous scene in the movie American Graffiti where the camera has 15 faces in frame and they're all crying. And you don't know what everybody's crying about. The camera pans around behind them and they are all looking at an appliance store mm-hmm. that has a bunch of TVs in the window yep. Yep. and they're watching the Kennedy assassination coverage yep. on the news. I think the demise of news is breaking down the fabric that makes us Cleveland, Boston, Houston, because of the local flavor. And not only that, but everybody knows what's going on or everybody knows what the stories are. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the split between in the 90s between Fox and CNN and all the media having their own point of view to instead of, like you said, accepting or learning from all sides the majority of the younger ones coming up have decided I don't need to know any of it. And so now they don't follow the news at all. Correct. So my point is how are we going to ever be common fabric, current events? I mean, it's hard enough now when you try to go someplace or find out information, every website has everything except a phone number. You can't pick up the phone and talk to anybody. Like, True. what are you around? So how do you see looking forward everybody that do, or doing what you did? Thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 it's going to sound uh, cliche, but I mean, uh, isn't the linchpin of a, of, of a democracy an, elect, uh, an educated electorate? Exactly. Electorate? Exactly. You know, and you know that that's one one and it doesn't exist any longer. No. You know, it, it, one thing is funny. Some news directors, even back ten years after the Kennedy assassination, because I was in, in the news by then, uh, they say, "Well, go down to uh, the May Company and see if anybody's looking in the window." And kind of like that doesn't exist anymore. Even then, you know. But yeah. you know, I understand exactly what you mean about that. Watching the Kennedy assassination, every, everybody didn't have a TV. And to extrapolate that, take that farther down the road, back when I was in the news, not everybody had one of these. And right. they didn't have it already. Uh, Walter Cronkite had a, a saying many years ago, and it had to do with the fact that television was intended to be a headline service. You were expected to go then read a newspaper and maybe Time or Newsweek or, or a periodical to educate yourself to get more. Well, the periodicals you know, kind of went away. Right. Newspapers are, you know, dying like, they're, 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 you know, five years ahead of television was dying. And and so now television there for a while became the main source. And now television is not the main source. This is your main source. And and many of these things, they're not journalistically um, uh, thought out. They've got an opinion. You know, it's, it's a, this one says this angle, that one says that angle. I also think that... Um cable did the same thing to the news that it did to comedy when the news was on at 5 and 11 the last thing people would do is watch the news turn it off go to bed and editorials back in the day were always on the weekends because they gave you a whole week to think about all the stories that you had been told for the week when you have to produce 24 7 a lot of pardon my French, a lot of crap got on the air. It was the same thing with comedy. 
they had to fill 24 seven. There were a lot of horrible comics that were on and people sat at home and said, I'm not going to a club and paying $20 a ticket to watch that. Or they sat there and said, why bother? I can sit here and just see it all for free. Well, the news, same thing happened because 24 seven, it opened up to all kinds of places that called themselves journalists or call themselves a news service. And they didn't even have the credentials to be teleprompter readers. Now in comedy, I kind of hope that the pendulum swinging backwards the other way. And I hope the same thing happens in news that people get curious again and look for an investigative reporter or somebody like a Walter Cronkite. And maybe that'll happen that way. I don't, I just don't like the idea of everything drifting off into the, cloud i think the people will ask me quite a bit uh do you miss it and my answer is kind of always the same um i miss what i used to do but what i used to do really doesn't exist anymore there you go three days of me with a camera guy in a sweaty van looking at trying to see something uh and sometimes the stuff doesn't work out like many times some of the most funny i think stories in the book or when I got caught by the police trying to spy on them, or I got caught by somebody trying, right, to, right. trying to do something. Those are funny stories. Yeah. Um, I, I had my wife one time, uh, go, this chiropractor was prescribing all kinds of pills. So we took a camera guy who was fit as Phil, had a doctor check him out. He's got no health problems. And so we sent him in with his wife, who supposedly his wife, fake wife, which was my wife. And she had a purse with a bag with a camera in it. So they go in and this and that, and this guy's telling this and that and the other thing. <laughs> well, my wife is in there with this camera guy, who she didn't even know. And the doctor says, all right, well, take your clothes off. <laughs> my wife is very proper. <laughs> so they somehow they talked their way out of it. But <clears throat> the bottom line is, you know, we did the story. Uh, it had nothing to do with my investigation. But years later, he was sent to prison for, uh, you know, toe pushing, basically. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, another stupid one on my part uh, was somebody told me that this chief of police was running a hot dog stand at a plaza not far from the police station on duty. So, okay. So we go check it out. We spent a couple days. I took an intern one day down there and she went out and bought a couple hot dogs and this and that. And I look at this picture and this and that. And yeah, we're almost ready to go confront the chief when he wasn't at the, or maybe we'll just confront him. And I checked out the license, you know, the vendor license. It came back to the chief's house and this and that. And everything was checked. So we're all set to almost confront the guy. And then one day, the police chief's car, the police chief was behind the thing, we thought. And the police chief's car goes by and like the, sounds the horn to, 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 to the whoever was behind the, the serving the hot dog. I didn't um, know that the police chief had a twin. Oh wow! <laughs> Three days wasted. Wow. <laughs> hey Seth, Seth, when you first started, did you were you around in the day where you could pick what you wanted to play next? Could you? Oh, yeah. Use your music. Yeah. You I know, was, or at least add stuff that you wanted to play. Right. Right. Or take a request from somebody. Yeah, but it, it's totally not like that anymore. Now there's a machine that does everything for you. Exactly. And it seems like it's almost like that in news too. Like they're told what to say. Right, and it, it, it's just not the way that it used to be. No, um, and it sucks to be honest with you. Uh, I agree. 
We got to take a quick break. Can you stick around for a few more minutes? Sure. All right. We'll be back with Paul Orlowski in about uh, two minutes. Hang on. Hey, it's Seth from Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road in the Pleasant Valley Shopping Center right next to Big Lots. You got to check out Mario, man. Great guy, does a lot for charities, but can perform miracles with hair. He even made me look clean cut. Does my hair, does a great job. Love talking to the guy while I'm sitting there. It's a great place to go local business. You got to go to Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road. Again, in Parma, Pleasant Valley Shopping Center, right next to Big Lots. Or give them a call, 216-520-1977. That's 216-520-1977, Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Trust Joe's Lakewood Computer at 14035 Madison in Lakewood. They have over 30 years of professional service handling laptop and desktop repair services, virus removal, and data migration, and much more. You can trust them with hardware updates to your computer's memory and hard drive. Call 216-651-3880. Whether you need a simple Windows install or you're interested in the latest computers for gaming, call Joe's Lakewood Computer at 216-651-3880. This is Tim Elkhorn, radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, for attorney Will Spiegelberg. Will Spiegelberg is not only a name you know, he's someone you can trust as your attorney, no matter the circumstance. Will Spiegelberg is an attorney you can always count on. Will Spiegelberg is the attorney you should contact for all your legal work. When you need an attorney, call Will Spiegelberg at 216-233-4240. Attorney Will Spiegelberg, a great teammate. 216-233-4240. 216-233-4240. Right back here on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Yusaka, Paul Orlowski, our guest. Punch, kicked, spat on, and sometimes thanked is the book. You can get it in Drug Mart, Amazon. Uh, I suggest you pick it up. There's a lot of good short stories in there, which I, I like because it keeps my attention, people like me. Um, but it's it's really actually it's a good read. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's very good. Uh, Scott had a question. Triv loved you, Paul. I shouldn't say liked, like his text. He loved you, uh, but not so much for Carl Monday. Uh, why is that? Or maybe you'd not like to talk about it. I mean, I know why. Was Carl Monday a really good guy deep down? Because I know he pissed Triv off uh, with the Coach for Kids story. and Yeah. Um, it, it, did, it was not a good parting of the ways with those two. How, how was Carl Monday? One of them gave a reporter we to were, another. We were certainly competitors. Yeah. Friends. Um. And, I'm not asking you to talk crap. Don't get me wrong. I'm not asking no, that. No, I'm I don't saying... no and, and, you know, you, you've already summed it up. It was the, the, the falling out was the Coach for Kids story. Um, but, I mean, um, you know, when I got to town, what you wanted to be, if you wanted to be an investigative reporter, was Carl Monday or Tom Meyer. Right. And I got lucky in a way when I – I did a story about Cleveland police goofing off. So I got a lot of enemies too, or had a lot of enemies yeah. many years ago, uh, who hate me just as much as that whole situation went with, with what Triv thought about Carl. Um, and I did a story, 20 some police officers were, were suspended. Uh, they were hanging out at Deaconess Hospital goofing off. The name of the story was Car 224, Where Are You? It was only named that because it sounded like car 54, where are you? 
Right. Well, and the tip was <clears throat> cops are goofing off. Well, we went down there. We saw a couple of police cars at the emergency room, which is not at all unusual. But then we looked in the parking garage, and there were like maybe seven, eight more, including supervisors. So we went back three or four nights, did the story. All these guys got suspended. Two of the guys who happened to be in car 224, I guess they thought I was targeting them. They weren't even named in the story. I didn't do anything. I, I, police get 30 minutes off for lunch. I didn't do anything about anybody that was in there for a minimal of an hour and 10 minutes. Some of the guys were four hours, you know, taking the whole ship basically. Uh, so fine. So I do the story. Two of the guys decided to pay me back. So they wrote uh, fake tickets on me. Uh, running a red light, almost hitting a pedestrian and speeding on a Sunday morning uh, down at uh, uh, right there by the the federal courthouse. So what's that? West um, West Sixth, West Third and uh, Superior. And so um, the, the copy that would go to me, they threw in the garbage, put the, into the system. Well, after 30 days, uh, an arrest warrant went out for me because I didn't show up for court. So I don't know how many, it's 120 days, 180 days, whatever it was. Uh, it went a step farther, and was, I was put on the NCIC crime computers, a fugitive from justice. Another oh. few months went by. I had no idea. That, and luckily, I never got stopped. I think they were open. If I was, you know, vacationing someplace, I'd get stopped. And it'd take a couple of days to, to figure that out. Um, but anyway, one day, I came out the front door of the station, and a city councilman was walking by. And he says, hey, you're in some trouble. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, there's an arrest warrant out for you. I said, yeah, right. He goes, no, no, I'm not kidding. Did you get a lot of tickets? I said, I don't have any tickets. He goes, well, you better call the clerk of courts. So I called the clerk of courts, and he laughed too, and said, hang on, let me go check. So he came back, and he says, you better get over here. So I went over, and he had a blank piece of paper. He goes, here, sign your name. So I signed my name. Didn't match the signature. In fact, the, the two guys that wrote the tickets misspelled my name on the, on the dumb ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the bottom line is CPD did a huge investigation, and they figured out who the guys were. And there was a trial after the first day, they all pled guilty. But it put me on the map. So being fairly new in town um, for those days, because fairly new in town in those days with three or four years, not three or four, 30 months or right. Wow. Um, you know, it, it kind of put me on this. So I was kind of all of a sudden thought of a little bit like Carl or Tom. Uh, so, which is what you want to be. But it, back to the, the truth situation with Carl, you know, you. You gotta break some eggs to. Sometimes you make enemies, I guess. But oh, I got a lot of them. Um, you know, and then I had a guy one time. He the guy that spit at me. Um, he between my fax machine, answering machine, uh, calling my phone, and all hours of the day and night, I couldn't get any work done. And this guy was good at what he did, and then um, I. I, I I told a couple of cops about it, nothing. I told the FBI about it, nothing. But one night, he used to get drunk at night and tie me up because he, he was running a scam charity. I proved it. Eventually, the feds got involved and indicted the guy, and he did go to prison. But then he did something stupid, which I think sped up the, the FBI's interest in my story. Um, one night, I think he'd been drinking, he calls the FBI office, and Van Harp, was the head of the FBI office here in Cleveland at that time. And I knew Van because our sons went to college together. And so he called me and he does his rant with the FBI. He'd done one several to me that same night. And he said, at the end of it, he said, in one of these days, Harp, you're going to end up at the end of a rope. 
not a good thing to say to the uh, yeah. special agent. Wow, yeah. So so he went to prison for, for both. But anyway, uh, at a social gathering I saw Van uh, later. And I said, Van, I got a question for you. I said, this guy pesters me for a year. He makes one call to the FBI office and he goes away for three and a half years. Now, how does that happen? And he said, Paul, it's a simple, I got a simple answer for you. I said, what's that? He goes, we're at different spots on the food chain. I love telling that story. He's, <laughs> he's a really good guy. He goes, I said, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the spit on guy. Oh, he had, it was kind of funny because he had posters in the, in the front of his charity with me with a Mickey Mouse hat, uh, said channel three and coming out of my mouth was duh and hold the microphone. And um, a lot of people saw it. And so like, how am I going to get him to take those down? So I called him one day and said, Hey, can I get one of those? I really like those. He took them down the next day and got rid of them. Some. I wish I, so wish I, I wish we had more of the, more of these back then because I would take. Right. I wish I had. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny, but so you make enemies. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then when he was going into court, well, the brother who's also in the thing was going into court when his, the the main guy was going to be sentenced. So he's going up the steps. And as soon as he came around the corner, he said, "You know, f you, Mr. Lowski." And I asked him, "Was f you, f you, f you?" So I said, um, "He didn't know that his brother was going to prison that day." I did. And so I said, hey, did you bring a toothbrush for your brother? And he turned around and boom. Oh. And I turned my face. <laughs> just quick enough. He got me in the cheek. He didn't get me in the face. But uh, yeah, so, you know, some of my um, confrontations, uh, I probably pushed the button a little too much there. Uh, Prince's bodyguard beat us up. I, I think I might have told you guys that story. Oh, really? Um, you know, we. Saw him at the airport. He went crazy. His bodyguard went crazy. I was big, huge guy, uh, three some three hundred some pounds, six eight, and um, so then he threw me like a softball. And the cameraman had a black eye. We went over to Agora where Prince was going to see his girlfriend Sheila E. And we wait, and here came the big guy again, and he's the first one out of the limo. So what do I do? Because I'm ticked off because I had bloody bloody palms, bloody knees from where he threw me, and so he gets off the limo. So what do I do? I go. <laughs> oh man, he was like a bull in a china shop. Come on, boom, boom, boom. Oh, wow. Anyway, but so you know, you sometimes you should, I should probably should have um, washed my mouth. <laughs> well, no, I think you probably should have sued the hell out of him. Nah, I think actually, I think there was a third cameraman there who had a ligament torn in his arm because those cameras were heavy in those days. And yeah, he pushed the camera, and he tore a ligament in his arm. Uh, there was a settlement, but I don't, I think it was sealed. I don't know what it was. Uh, but yeah, he did sue, but eh. I had a torn pair of pants and a great story. <laughs> it's a good story, but still, I don't know. You should donate those to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I wish I still had them. <laughs> All right, the book is called Punched, Kicked, Spat On, and Sometimes Thanked, Paul Orlowski. I want to thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it's it. It's no problem. I think Barnes & Noble has it as well. Barnes and Noble, say, yeah. Drug Mart, Amazon, all over the state, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a light read. It's it's just funny, goofy stuff. What are you doing these days? Because I mean, I don't. Do you have any book signings coming up? Um, no, I just did one at the uh, Solon Library. Yeah. Uh, uh, last week, um, and uh, yeah, they're opening up. That, you know, the book came out right at the peak of COVID. Uh, so you, all the book signings canceled. Yeah. Uh, and um, the other thing, well, some 
big companies stopped doing regional books like Costco among others. Uh, but um, but the book sold sold fine, and now finally these this is opening up again. The book signings and things. Uh, I'm doing one over at you know St. Joseph's here in Avon Lake uh, just at noon on Wednesday. But that's just you know just for the the, the over fifty crowd. I teased with the deacon. I said, "Well, you're gonna have to give me a pass. You know, you've got to be over fifty to get in." Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Is that who uh, you interviewed the other day? Because I saw you interviewed a, a, I think a priest or somebody. Um, it was on your Facebook page. Oh yeah, yeah. That was no different guy. Oh, okay. The um, I'm doing a show for the uh, the Catholic radio station, uh, uh, WCCR. The old, it's the old Wixie twelve sixty. Okay. But that's you know it's a kind of a part time thing. From the, it's that's a volunteer job. They go down on the first uh, Tuesday of the month and record four or five shows, and they are on Sundays and and Wednesdays, uh, and then um, uh, some book stuff and this and that, and just volunteer, yeah, volunteer here and there. I I'm, I've had a very blessed life, so I have no complaints. That uh, I, I anybody my age, you know, Carl, Tom, and I all retired like within a year because the the game was changing, you know. And we got the sweet years out of it, and we know we did. And so we're just—I think—I don't mean to speak for them. I think we're just thankful for it. You know, it was a, it was a wonderful way to make a living. A lot of stress, a lot of hours, a lot of overtime, and my wife had to pick up the the pieces uh, during a lot of it. And I talk some about that in, in, in the book as well. Um, and um, you know, it, it worked. I think you're going to see a lot of news changing. I really do. I think yeah. uh, some of these, you know. Unfortunately, some of the weather people that we have in this town that I think are really good are going to be long gone because, again, the money just isn't going to be there. And eventually, you know, they're going to bring some of these kids in that will do it for a quarter of what they're paying. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I see the same thing with radio. I see radio, which was so great. Yeah. And now exactly. it's a dwindling, dying you know, enterprise. And then. It's unfortunate, but I think local news is, is heading that direction. Hopefully it changes. Hopefully somebody changes what's going on. But I, I think it's going to be a, a tough road ahead. That's unfortunate, in my humble view. Yeah, Gunner says, thanks, Paul, for supporting Seth and Mike and what they're trying to do here. Yeah, we thank you for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Well, well, pick up, you guys are all right to talk to. Well, we appreciate it. Pick up the book, Paul Orlowski, punched, kicked, spat on, and sometimes thanked. Get the book, Memoirs of a Cleveland TV News Reporter. Again, thank you, uh, Paul. So. I, I, I'll end with a quick story. Somebody right. called us and they say, well, uh, maybe my wife answers, well, used to answer the house phone, but cell phone or whatever. <laughs> uh, and they say, hey, um, we're having a luncheon. Will Paul MC it? She goes, yeah, he'll do it. So we'll check with his schedule. No, no, he'll do it. She goes, well, we'll check with his schedule. She goes, no, he'll do it. And I said, well, how do you know he'll do it? Because he loves talking about himself. <laughs> you you guys have figured that out as well. <clears throat> well, I love you, and I you know we've been friends for quite some time, and I thank you for coming on and joining us. And you know, if Mike ever needs a night off, have your phone by you because uh, I would love to have you on again. So, well, both of you guys have been great friends uh, to me. You with the trips show, and of course, Michael kind of maybe pointing me the, the the way down at the Justice Center sometimes, and maybe at other <laughs> times the error of my ways. <laughs> no, it was good to see coverage that was honest coming out of the courtroom when an awful lot of other people that were down there seemed to have an angle. You just yeah. were interested in telling it like it was, and that's 
it's always been your calling card and uh, i hope so good to know yep. you. i miss it i do i do miss the justice center because criminal defense i mean you can you can tell a criminal defense guy from a civil guy from three three blocks away those guys come with all of their their documents and all this that the criminal defense guys are a colorful bunch and just a fun bunch of guys to to talk to and to and to learn from there you go well thanks paul we got to wrap things up in just a few we're gonna take our last break of the night so thank you paul we'll talk to you again soon thank you anytime all right, we'll be right back in about uh, two minutes. Hang on. Hey, it's Seth for Smoking Rock and Roll Food Trucks. You got to check them out, man. The food is just unbelievable. Mac and cheese is fantastic. The brisket, everything else is just to die for. You got to check out Smoking Rock and Roll, 605 Clay Parkway in Bay Village. You can give them a call, 216-539-2239 to book a food truck. Uh, you know, Find out where they're going to be at. They're going to be all over the place, Come there, especially when the spring and summer hits. It's unbelievable food. They win awards all over the place. Run by my good friend uh, Billy Morris uh, and his friend Todd. They're good people, and they make great, great food. You got to check it out. Smoking Rock and Roll. SmokingRockandRoll.com. Aaron Tees and Signs has become your complete one-stop sign shop. Call Jimmy at 216-299-9344. Their friendly and professional staff can and will help you build your company brand and identity from start to finish. One stop means you get a complete package from one location. Custom logo design, vehicle graphics, banners, t-shirts, storefront marquees, and so much more. Aaron Tees and Signs. 4883 Turning Road. Call us at 216-299-9344. Hey, it's up for Audio Bay Studios in Bay Village. And now if you need a podcast done, you got a band, you got to record some stuff, Audio Bay Studios is the place to go. Train technicians, uh, good management there. I'm telling you, Audio Bay Studios has helped me out tremendously with my podcast. You want to go there, Audio Bay Studios, 605 Clegg Parkway in Bay Village. It's right next to, or in the same building, I should say, as Smokin' Rock and Roll. Some of the best barbecue food trucks in town. The best barbecue food trucks in town. Tell me, you got to check out Audio Bay Studios. I know the guy, Chris Aiken. I know the guy, Billy Morris. They're good people. They take care of you. Audio Bay Studios, if you got a podcast that you want to start recording, Audio Bay Studios in Bay Village is the place to be. 605 Clegg Parkway. Give them a call. 216-713-0066. That's 216-713-0066. All right, back here on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Tosaka. We're wrapping things up here in just a couple minutes. Um, uh, thanks again to Paul Orlowski for coming on. Punched, kicked, spat on, sometimes thanked. Memoirs of a Cleveland TV news reporter. Uh, get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, he said, Drug Mart. Uh, it's a fun read. It really is. It's a good book. Uh, but thanks to him for coming on spending a lot of time with us. So it was good. I enjoyed uh, being uh, with him. Always. Um, got some house cleaning stuff to get to in just a few. Some keeping stuff, I should say. Uh, some good stuff coming up in the next uh, week. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But you know, one thing that Paul brought up was an informed electorate is how yes. we're going to change things. And let me show you an example of what's out there now. This is the electorate. This is the youth. This, these are the people that are going to be voting in the upcoming elections, deciding who's in charge of this country. How long does each president serve their term? I really don't know. Take a guess around how long. 
Like, time? Yeah. Hour? No, like years. Oh! You, I said time and you said year. Yeah, I count that. Seven. Yes, I'm sorry for confusing you. What language do the people in Idaho speak? I don't know. You've never been? Nope. How many make up one dozen? I don't know. Take a guess. One number. Ten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's and that's not the only video out there. Those videos are all oh. over the place of people that just don't know crap about what the hell is going about on. About anything. We, you know, we could do a show where all you did was push the start button and let it play for two hours. Yeah, and, and just leave. Yeah, we could just go out to dinner, come back, and and you could have videos the entire time. Because and then, like that you said, those people happening. vote. Yeah, these people vote and breed, and we wonder why the world is the way it is today. And, and to be honest with you, it's not just stupid people because those people are stupid. Um, but it's people that are somewhat smart and educated, but they're not learning the things that they should learn. I, I told the story what, a couple weeks ago about a, a teenager who asked if President's Day was an American holiday. Yeah. Well, why? Yes, and this wasn't a stupid, stupid kid. It, products of our fine education system. That's the problem. It really is. But I gonna, think, anyways. I think it's part of the problem because that means that their parents don't care that they're stupid either. Because, you know, you know, my dad and my mom made sure I read a book. My mom and my dad made sure that we watched the news in the house. My mom and my dad made sure we all sat around the dinner table. We discussed what was going on in the world. My mom and my dad asked me every night, do you have homework? And if I said no, they said, why not? I, you can't, these kids if, it shouldn't be growing up in a vacuum. And if yeah. you don't want to take the time and you don't want to invest the, the effort and you're really not demanding that your kids learn a complete set of values, then don't have kids. What happens when you don't teach history or civics and government in schools? Not stupid. They're ignorant. And yeah. I agree with that. I mean, that that's <clears throat> part, that is part of think. the problem. We teach to take tests. Standardized testing is the worst part. We don't teach philosophy. We don't teach logic. We don't teach advanced math. We don't teach kids how to think. We teach kids what to think, and that's wrong. That's dead wrong. Absolutely. And that goes to what you know. That goes to what I've said before about both sides and need something new. We do. We need a new way to look at stuff. Paul yeah. said, you know, the, the, there isn't even a common denominator as far as well, I'll be honest. Well, let's even share, Seth. We've been trying for how many months to get a segment on this on the air that talks about current events and what's going on in town because that doesn't exist anymore. Nobody gets a plain dealer with a Friday section that lists all the activities. There's no more scene Nobody magazine knows. out there. There's no more scene magazine telling you exactly. what everything else. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, it would be great if somebody would sponsor it because uh, we have it ready to go. Um <clears throat> Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a uh, it's a different world that we live in. And uh, Natalie says parents are the biggest problem that these kids are the way that they are. I agree. I think definitely some of it. But again, 
I'm the father of a 16-year-old. And let me tell you, some of the things that she thinks she didn't learn in this household, that's for damn sure. Right. Um, they're being taught that stuff somewhere else. And it, whether it's the phone with all the internet stuff or whether it's at school or whether it's their friends, um, it's certainly not here. And I'm not, my daughter is far from stupid. She's one of the smartest yeah. people I, I know. And we teach her and she learns and she does really well in school. And she's got a job and she works hard. And she's a sweet, good kid. But there's a lot of things that she thinks and knows that ain't being taught here. Right. You and, and I both grew up in a, in a household that had a family phone. Now, if there's six people in a family, all six people have their own phone number. Yeah. And you can do your best to try to raise your kid. But when he's outside the house... That phone will take him anywhere. I I don't I don't know how parents even keep up anymore with all there is to do and so on and so forth. But the with, with what's out there in the cesspool of social media between mental illness, between suicide, between all the stuff that are I never knew of any of that stuff with the kids that I went to school with in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. But now it's like, I don't know. I just, I hope the pendulum swings backwards and people need interpersonal communication. I saw a thing this past week, two things. Number one, only 21% of the 16-year-olds even want to get a driver's license. When you and I were in high school, you couldn't wait to get your driver's license. Oh, yeah. That was the first thing I wanted to do. Two. 63% of the youth of today prefer texting to a phone call. Yes. And like I said, I spent the weekend at a funeral in Ashland with a big, huge extended family that I'm a new part of. And one of the kids who's got a scholarship to a college looked at me and said, I'd much rather just text my friends. I hate talking to them on the phone. Yeah, I actually know people. Wow, that will send me a text, and then because I, I I don't I don't like texting back. I hate it. I think it's just annoying. Yeah, and so I call them immediately. And as soon as I got the text, I call them immediately, and they don't answer the phone. Right. So I'll send a text saying, "All right, here's the answer, but why didn't you pick up your phone?" And they just respond via text, and they don't tell me why they didn't answer the phone. They don't want to answer the damn phone. Pick up the phone when I call you, and then. There are so many people that have cell phones. I know you have your cell phone on you. I know these people don't leave the house without their cell phone. And again, they don't answer the phone. And it's not, I'm not calling you because I want to see how your day is going. If I'm calling you, it's for an important reason. reason. And for those people, I want to check in on you to see how you're feeling. It's because I have a reason for calling you. Pick up your phone. Yeah. And for those people that still, after all the time we've been on the air, are still wondering what I mean when I say it's not, it's both sides and something else, this, that, and the other thing. Here's another example. When you pick up the phone sometimes and it's ringing, it will say potential spam. Well, if your phone knows this, why is the call coming through? Yeah. Because they still want to make money off of it. If they know it's potential spam, then keep it out of my phone. All right, we're going to wrap things up. I got to go. I'm going to the rec center tonight. Cool. Good for you. 
Yeah, I've uh, been going there now for a while, but um, then the holidays got a little bit off track, but now I've been going for the past couple of weeks every day. Good. And uh, so I'm going to hit that up before they close. And uh, But a couple of different things going on. Wednesday, we're going to be talking with, of course, Tony Masaccio. Our restaurant reporter will be live from another great place to eat. Um, looking forward to that. And Eric Farantino's will be joining us. He's a guitarist, longtime guitarist for Stephen Piercy from Rat. Um, should be fun. He's a good guy. Does a lot of stuff with the CMS network. Uh, we'll talk to him. He actually had a heart attack here in Ohio at a concert. We'll talk to him about that and many other things. Um, then Monday next week, we're going to be talking with Jim Scott about climate. Have a little debate over climate change with you and uh, Jim Scott. First time caller, Jim, from Trip Show, if you don't know him. I'm also working on an interview for Monday. Ricky Bird, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Actually, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Toured with Roger Daltrey from The Who and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, Looking forward to that. And then next Wednesday, we're going to have comedian Dave Landau on. He's been on Comedy Central, NBC, Networks Worldwide. Uh, very funny guy. Dave Landau will be on the show next Wednesday. So there's a lot going on. A lot of stuff to pay attention to. Check out the website, thesethwilliamshow.com. You can get shirts there. You can get free stickers there. And you can also uh, listen. There's a listen button on there now that you can listen and not see us, which is good for a lot of people. But you can listen in your car while you're driving. Hook up your phone to your car. And, of course, you can listen to the show. It works on your, uh, while your screen is locked. So check that out as well. Thanks, and most Mike. most Mike. importantly, too, have everybody share this show because we're getting Definitely. really, really close to Shout being able to do all kinds of things. And, and as we, yeah, and we got yeah. one week left on the uh, Facebook band, but you can check us out on CMS TV or Amazon TV or Fire Stick, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, have a good night, Mike. Thank you again. You and too. God Seth. willing, we will talk to you on Wednesday night. Take care, everybody. We'll see good night.